Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 30 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. We are back on a glorious September 27th of 2020. You know how we do a five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get it popping. NBA playoffs. <laughs> One conference final series has concluded. That's right, the Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Denver Nuggets in five games last night as they defeated the Nuggets 117-107. We'll dissect this series and then bounce over to the Eastern Conference first. (laughs) LeBron James, that's right. King James, the goat of goats, went off yesterday to secure the Game 5 victory for the Lakers. This man... 38 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, his 27th playoff triple-double. Only Magic Johnson has more than him. He went off. He had nine points to close out the game in clutch time. He was hitting big shots, getting to the basket. He was really doing it all, truly being the Swiss Army knife that he is. LeBron James, greatest player ever, best player in the NBA today, still at the age of 35, year 17. Still getting it done at the elite, elite level. And he's doing things that other guys in the leagues, in the, throughout the league, aren't doing. Jamal Murray's going off game four, for instance. And LeBron James is like, you know what? I'm going to guard him to end the game. It's winning time. I need to, someone needs to step up and slow this guy down. Sure enough, get some key stops. Jamal Murray misses some shots, made a couple shots. But LeBron stopped him more often than not. Lakers got the win yesterday as well. Locking up. Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray was a little hurt yesterday, but LeBron just went into takeover mode. It's what he does. Not a lot of other players in this league go into takeover mode like LeBron James does. He really just takes it to another level. And you can just see it, Kawhi Leonard. He's supposedly one of the top players in the world. He was told to guard Murray at the end of the game. He couldn't slow Murray down. Murray was absolutely feasting off the Clippers in that series, and that's why the uh, Nuggets came back to beat the Clippers, because no one could stop Jamal Murray. And what does LeBron do? Shuts him down. Giannis, another top player. He doesn't even go guard Jimmy Butler in the series. That's what coach, I listen to what coach tells me, according to him. I listen to, I do what coach tells me. Whereas LeBron's like, no, I'm going to do it. I asked for the matchup. I want it. I want it on my shoulders. I want to be the reason we win, and I want to be the reason we lose. It's all or nothing for LeBron. He just takes it to a different stratosphere when talking about levels of competition. He is absolutely by far the best player in the league. I don't even think it's close. Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens when Durant comes back from his Achilles injury and hasn't played in a full year. But I truly think even with a healthy Durant back, LeBron is still the best player in the world. And we're seeing it right now. All the other superstars have been bounced. The three remaining teams as of this moment in time are the Los Angeles Lakers who have locked up a spot in the NBA Finals and the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat. Who's their true superstar? Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum are the top two players on those respective teams. But they are not top ten players in the NBA. LeBron is the only top ten NBA player 
currently still surviving and thriving in the league right now. And he's doing it better than any of them. Five-game series, every single series. Five against Portland. Five against the Rockets. Five against the Nuggets. And every series they went in where people doubted them. Uh, Everyone was saying early, Portland's going to give them problems. Lakers can't defend the three. They can't shoot the three. Lakers are in trouble against Portland. Well, Portland won one game, and that's all she wrote. Lakers won the next four. Same with the Rockets series. Oh, Lakers are in trouble. James Harden, no one can defend him. No one's going to be able to stop him. Russell Westbrook, it's too dynamic. No one's going to be able to contain him. Oh, Lakers make quick work of them. Five games as well. And then the Nuggets. Well, they've come back from 3-1. Who's going to guard Murray? Jokic is going to be a matchup nightmare. The Nuggets have more depth than this Lakers team. Oh, well, LeBron steps up. AD steps up when it matters most. And they secure another series victory in five games. It's a man's league, which is why I got to talk about the Nuggets. I don't – they're going to be back. They're going to be this good for a while. Jamal Murray's, what, 23 years old? Jokic is, what, 25, 26, both young. Mike Malone is a good coach. They have a lot of talent already on the roster. Those two guys at the helm, you got to run it back. Just bring in new pieces. Bring in additional pieces to surround those guys to be even better. Uh, the Nuggets aren't going anywhere. They, were, they, show, they showed me a lot this playoffs. Let me tell you, I thought they were going to beat the Jazz. Didn't think they were going to beat the Clippers. Didn't think they would beat the Clippers, but went seven games against the Jazz, came back 3-1 both series. They weren't doing again against the Lakers. LeBron, veteran leadership, he's not going to let it happen. He just won't. He knows how to win a championship. These other teams still learning how to win a championship, and that's what I think it is with the Nuggets. It's called growing pains. You got to lose to win. Every single player in the history of the league has gone through this very thing, with the exception of maybe two. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came in and started winning championships, even Tim Duncan. But you go through growing pains for the most part. We can even look at who some other people consider the go, Michael Jordan. He, had, he didn't win a championship till he was 28 years old. And he was in the league for six, seven years before he won his first championship. He, had, he couldn't beat the Celtics. He couldn't beat the bad boy Pistons until he learned how to come out victorious. He had to learn to win. He had to learn to play within a team. He, it took him time. You have to learn to win championships. Same with LeBron James. You know, he made it to the finals in 07 and then didn't make it back till 2011. And in 07, lost to the Spurs. 11, lost to the Mavericks. And then after that, wins three championships and goes to multiple finals. You have to learn to win. You have to take the losses and have them grow, make you grow as a player. Giannis is going through it. The Nuggets are going through that as well. I think the Celtics are going through it as well. Like, they have to learn to win. Jason Tatum has to learn to win. Jalen Brown, they got to learn to win. It takes time. Things don't happen after in your first three, four years in the league. Uh, you rarely see it. And, again, there are exceptions to this rule. You know, Tim Duncan came in early, was winning championships with David Robinson in 1999. And then you got Magic Johnson, you know, came in his rookie year. But that's because he got to play with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who at that time was the best player in the world. And Magic got to play with him right away in his rookie year. Larry Bird, second season 
of him, won a championship. It, it takes time for teams to, re, for guys to really succeed. You have to learn to win. You have to, it takes time, it takes development, it takes intestinal fortitude like no other to achieve the greatest achievement in the sport. And that's to win a championship. So the Nuggets, they'll be fine. They're going through the growing pains. They're going to get better. I see them improving. Uh, just bring the band back. Grant's going to apparently turn down his player option and become a restricted free agent. And the way he played the last few games, definitely going to get a big contract. So the Nuggets have some decisions to make on how they're going to get better. And it's going to be fun to see. So Nuggets, they're not going anywhere. Denver, you should be happy with the team that you have because the Nuggets are a great team. Let's move over to the other conference. That is the Eastern Conference where the Celtics kept their season alive last game. They won pretty handily, 121-108. to 108. It's now a 3-2 series lead in favor of Miami. I really just can't figure this series out. Like at times, the Celtics look like the more superior team. They have more talent, all this, all that. But then I'm also watching it. I'm like, the Heat just play better as a team. The Heat are more well-rounded. The Heat seem to play with cohesion. And you just see it from the scoring breakdowns. If you just look at last game, you know, the leading scorer for them was Goran Dragic. He had 23. And then Duncan Robinson chipped in 20. Jimmy Butler had 17, 8, and 8. Jay Crowder had 14. Bam Adebayo had 13, 8, and 8. Tyler Hero had 14 after his monstrous 37-point outing. Like they, that's a lot of spreading the wealth right there. But, again, the Celtics, they look like the more talented team. Tatum is the best player in the series. He had 31-10-6 last game. Jalen Brown, 28-8. Daniel Teves, he had 15-13. Marcus Smart, 12-8-8. Kemba Walker, 15-2-7. Gordon Hayward, 10-3-2. Ernest Cantor coming at eight eight points in ten minutes. I, it just it's such an interesting series because I wouldn't expect the Heat to be this good. I talked about it before. I didn't I didn't think the Heat were going to be rolling like this, and that's why I feel like Boston. Maybe they figured it out. Maybe they figured out how to counter this zone defense that Miami keeps implementing. Eric Spolstra is a basketball genius. But Brad Stevens knows what he's doing, too. I just see the Celtics having more talent. But I think it's too much of a, a uphill climb for the Celtics. Being down 3-1, yes, they won last game. But to ask another team to win a 3-1 three three deficit this late in the playoffs, again, after we've already seen a couple of them, it just, I would find, I would, I would find it hard to believe. It would be extremely baffling. At this point, my pick would have been Lakers-Celtics, but at this point in the series, <sighs> game six is tonight. <laughs> this series is not over. I'll mind you that. The Heat still have to go out and win it. But, I, you know, I, I, I think the Celtics are going to win tonight and force game seven. Just something tells me that this Celtics team has kind of figured it out. Again, I find it hard to believe that another team can come back from a 3-1 deficit. But I think the Celtics might be able to pull it off. But I think they will win game six tonight. You know, there's my bold prediction of the day. So let's take it to the bank. Celtics, let's force game seven. Two best words in sports. Uh, it's going to be a good game. Every game pretty much has been competitive. It got a little out of hand last game, but the Heat still 
you know, they try to fight, fight back nicely. It was just too much to overcome after that third quarter by the Celtics. Yeah, every game has been close. You know, game four, 112-109. And that was with Tyler Hero scoring 37 and Jason Tatum not scoring once in the first half. You know, game three, 117-106. Celtics, the only other win they've had thus far. Yeah, and then game two, 106-101. And then game one, 117-114. It's been a close, hard-fought, evenly matched series to this point with the exception of a game. And that was last game. But now, I think the Celtics, they're starting to find the groove. I think they're going to force game seven. And then at that point, who knows what could happen. Tonight, 7.30 p.m., tune in because it's going down. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, game seven, Tuesday, September 29th, at a time to be determined. Celtics, I don't cheer for the Celtics ever. I never want them to win, but I'll cheer for them if, it, if we get another game seven and more basketball. So stay tuned. Let's move on. Topic number two. NFL week three has already begun. Games are going on. Let's take a look at the scoreboard throughout the league. Let's just start with my atrocious Bears. I got to talk about it real quick. The Bears came in playing the Falcons. Bears are 2-0. Falcons are 0-2. Both teams looking to go in opposite directions. And what goes on with the Bears? My, oh my. Trubisky just Looking like Trubisky. Looking like Trubisky. I just, he got benched. He got benched for Foles. Foles is in the game. (laughs) Foles is playing. That's right. They benched Trubisky. The offense scored 10 points in the first half. Weren't looking so great. And here they are, just bears. Oh, and I knew this is what would hold them back. The defense is always going to keep them in games, kind of. You know, it's 26 to 10. Matt Ryan has looked decent today. You know, 16 of 28, 207 yards, one touchdown. Uh, God, uh, Todd Gurley has been running pretty well. 13 attempts, 79 yards. Uh, Hill had a touchdown as well, Brian Hill. And just the Bears. I mean, the defense will try and keep them in games, but you can only do so much if the offense isn't going to give you a chance to win. And Trubisky does not give this team a chance to win. The reason the Bears were 2-0 and is because they played the likes of the Lions and the Giants, and Saquon Barkley got hurt for the Giants in that game. And it just... It, it gets old. I've been preaching the same thing, that the Bears should have signed Cam Newton. Why did we trade for Nick Foles and his terrible contract when we could have got Cam Newton for free? Injury concerns are one thing, but the two guys you had or were thinking about having the Trubisky and Fulce have shown no level of expertise at the quarterbacking position in any of their time. Yeah, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl MVP, but that was his lone year of being good. He hasn't been good any other time in his career. And even today, coming in, 7 of 15, 69 yards, already has thrown an interception. It just... These quarterbacks are not going to put the Bears in position to succeed. Like, they'll beat the bad teams. They'll beat the teams of the likes of the Lions and the Giants, you know, the Washington football team, the Jags. They will beat teams like that, but they will not beat the teams that are looking to compete for playoff spot like the Falcons should be. You know, they lost the Heartbreakers to Dallas last week, but that's no reason for them to think, oh, the season's over now. 
is like they still have a competitive football team, still got a lot of talent on the roster. Just another big choke by them, but God, like Bears just it's nauseating. It really is nauseating that this team, after all this time of trying to find a quarterback, still can't. Still can't. And just both guys look terrible. Trubisky today, 13 to 22, 128 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had a touchdown to Jimmy Graham. Uh, he had one run for 45 yards, but the offense was stagnant. Uh, the ball did not move a lot when he was on the field. Then we bring in Foles. He's inconsistent, as Nick Foles always is. 7 of 15, 69 yards, already had a touchdown. Should have had a touchdown, but it was reversed on the play. It just uh, – it's aggravating. It really is aggravating being a Bears fan. The big game going on right now. Rams playing the Bills. Rams took the lead after the Bills were up kind of big. 32-28. Bills have the ball. Uh, 3.51 to go in that one. I'm watching a little NFL red zone, so I'm seeing the games kind of go back and forth. But the Bills currently have the ball against the Rams. Like I said, 3.51 to go. Uh, that's going to be a shootout the rest of the way. I like both of those teams. I like both of those teams to make the playoffs with how they've been playing. Sean McVay, he's kind of ramped up this Rams offense back to being what it was. They have a great wide receiving core. And Josh Allen really shocked me. You know, Madden disrespects him for having a 78 overall rating, but he is way better than that. He's looked fantastic. Stefan Diggs has looked great. Newest addition by them. Great decision to bring him in. Uh, they're already clicking right away. Uh, I see the Bills actually winning the AFC East, and I know I've given my prediction on the Rams in over-under picks, but I, I think they're a team that can compete for a playoff spot. Again, that NFC West, best division in football, and any team can win and make the playoffs in that division. All four teams, top to bottom, can make the playoffs. Can't say that about any other division in the league. So that'll come down to the wire here, and it's going to be a good one. Some other games going right now. We'll just quickly uh, mention the scores. 49ers taking it to the Giants. They're going to win that one, 29-9. Just the Giants are an absolute embarrassment. Daniel Jones has looked terrible uh, all afternoon. And Mullins has come in to replace Garoppolo after he had a high ankle sprain uh, last week. And he's looked great. And 49ers actually just scored 35-9 to now. Browns finally uh, taking themselves ahead of the Washington football team. So the Browns should move to 2-1 and one on the year. And uh, Mayfield, he was okay today. 156 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb, this is a running team. He had 19 carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns. That's at the uh, the two-minute warning. <laughs> Another one, the 0-2 battle of the Bengals against the Eagles. The Bengals, Joe Burrow show, is currently beating Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Joe Burrow, 269 yards. He's got two touchdowns. He's playing well. Carson Wentz continues to struggle. 160 yards. He's got a touchdown, two interceptions. This Eagles team just, if they lose to the Bengals, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I couldn't imagine how hard that city and sports radio there is going to roast them. The Eagles are going to be the laughing stock of the league. At least we knew the Washington football team and the Giants were going to be bad this year. Eagles won the division last year. 
they had hopes of making the playoffs. An 0-3 start with the loss to the teams that they've lost to, <laughs> it's sad. It's sad. Like, uh, the Washington football team beat them 27-17, and then they got their asses handed to them in a 37-19 loss to the Rams, who the Rams have looked good, like I said. But golly, to lose to Cincinnati, and then looking at the Eagles, rest of the schedule, <laughs> got to go to at San Francisco, at Pittsburgh, then versus the 49ers. Finally, you get a cream puff on October 22nd against the Giants, and then you play Dallas, and then you get the bye week, week nine. <laughs> My God. Like, they could start the season 0-6. 0-6 if they do not beat the Bengals today. And even then, starting the season 1-5, <laughs> rut row. Rut row. That's an uphill climb that I don't know if they'll be able to overcome. In that weak division, maybe they can. Because, you know, they do play the Giants twice, they play the Cowboys twice, and they get the Washington football team again. So... Bengals have the ball, though, 20 to 16, 520 to go. Keep you posted. I'll, I'll update you all on the scores because the, the show will be going as these games are going. Uh, another kind of uh, out-of-reach game now, uh, Raiders-Patriots. It looked like a good one to start the day, but as of right now, 29-13. Um, it's been a you know, subpar performance by the Cam man, Cam Newton, 162 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, you know, he's 17 of 28, um, rushing six rushes for, uh, 28 yards. You know, Mitchell has been a beast. Nine carries, 117 yards. Burkhead has two touchdowns. So fantasy owners got to be upset that Mitchell's not getting those, but you know, the Patriots run by committee. And I thought the Raiders were going to play well. They, uh, did, had a nice game against the Saints. Um, and are 2-0, and but, God, they really came out flat and stagnant here in week three, and they'll probably move to 2-1, and one, barring the miraculous, um, barring a miraculous comeback with five minutes to go. Patriots have the ball. So, um, hmm, those Raiders. Actually, Raiders taking over uh, 29-13, like I said, so this one could is going to be a wrap. But a couple other close games. Steelers against the Texans. 2.19 to go. Deshaun Watson threw a huge, costly interception as they were driving the ball down the field. 2.19 to go, 28-21. Like I said, Watson, 264 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Roethlisberger, 213 yards, two, inter uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He's played well. You know, Connors had a nice game, 18 carries, 109 yards, one touchdown. And, gosh, this, this Texans team, another team that just off to an 0-2 start. I knew they were going to be competitive today, but, oh, we, if they, another team, you start 0-3, you're really putting yourself in a corner, quite the corner, especially then next. Next game, you got Minnesota, okay? Then you get a cream puff in Jacksonville. Oh, wait, then you got an, another team with playoff aspirations in Tennessee in week six. Week seven, you got Green Bay. Then you get the bye week. And then you get a three of the four next ones are easy as they got Jacksonville, Cleveland, New England, and then Detroit. So they're not in as bad a position as the uh, Eagles if they were to lose today. But, Wow. Uh, just some of these teams that you wouldn't assume would be this bad are not starting out the season well at all. 
Uh, you know, the Texans have had, you know, some tough opponents. You know, they had to go up against the Chiefs week one. Uh, it's a tough game. Right? Super Bowl champions. Then you, the week after that, <laughs> Baltimore Ravens. Like, it, that's a tough two-game start to the season. And then you get the Steelers, too. Like, yeah, I hope the schedule eases up, and it will ease up for them. So, Texans still like Watson. Still a great quarterback. Another close game going on right now. Vikings against the Titans, 30-28. Vikings have looked to be in control most of the game. Titans have fought and clawed their way back with a 16-point third quarter. And uh, you know, Tannehill and Cousins, just the battle of who you would assume are mediocre quarterbacks at that. And Tannehill, 19 of 31, 287 yards, one interception, Kirk Cousins, 15-23, 243 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Derrick Henry, though, going off, 24 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, though, having a big game as well, 22 carries, 181 yards, and one touchdown. Both the running backs showing why they deserve the contract extensions that they got during the offseason. So good for them. And that one's coming down to the wire right here. Under four minutes ago, Vikings have the ball. So a lot of good games going right now. A lot of good games. But some games tonight, you know, the snoozers, obviously. Jets play the Colts. Give me the Colts there. It's going to be an ugly one. Jets are atrocious. And then we got the Panthers against the Chargers. You know, Herbert's going to step in. I think the Chargers are going to win that one. Panthers haven't looked good, especially with my boy who's on my fantasy team, Christian McCaffrey, being out. That's going to hurt me this week, and it already has. Uh, so give me the Chargers there. Bucks, Broncos, Brady going to mile high. He's never played well there before. I've never seen him play well. That's why Broncos are plus six. Um, I'm still going to take the Patriot, uh, Patriots. See, still thinking, talking about Tom Brady, that he's on the Patriots. No, he's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, give me the Bucks there. Yeah, Jeff Driscoll is not going to beat Tom Brady in the Bucks. Bucks offense figuring it out. And um, they're getting all their guys back. Godwin's coming back. Mike Evans is getting healthy after a big week last week. Give me the Bucks. Another game, Lions against the Cardinals. Lions, one of the worst, like I said, they're the worst organization in NFL history. They're one of the worst organizations today uh, as far as roster, coaching, stand, whatever you want to describe it. They're just terrible, 0-2. And then we got the Cardinals. Uh, they're 2-0. Cardinals have looked great. Another team that I think has playoff aspirations. Got to believe they can do it. Kyler Murray, early going, playing like an MVP. He's been great. And then, uh, so give me the Cardinals there, obviously. Seahawks, this is a big one. Seahawks-Cowboys, another good game. Cowboys coming off a miraculous, a miracle comeback against the Falcons. Falcons, epic choke job, but the, you know, Cowboys went out, got the victory, so good for them, but Seahawks 2-0, they've looked great. I think Russell Wilson's going to win the MVP this year, so give me the Seahawks, you know, and Cowboys just don't win big games. They don't. Like, the, a big game is not against the Falcons. That's a game they should have won at AT&T, and the Cowboys were at home, and they had to pull something out of their ass just to win the game, and they barely did it. And I just never believe in the Cowboys, you know. They haven't shown me anything. They just continue to be the same inconsistent team that they are. All the talent in the world, but they just never can seem to put it together. And at one and one, I, they're in the best shape of all the NFC East teams, 
the NFC least, the worst division in football, and somehow I could still see the Cowboys not winning the division. Now, for some reason, I still could see it in my eye, but they should. Uh, they better win it. And this is the year to do it with the Eagles being tumultuous. You know, the Washington football team is going to be embarrassingly bad. Same with the Giants. Just god-awful. It's just an awful division. And yet somehow you could just see it where you're like, yeah, Cowboys might only go 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, and they might not win if the Eagles come back and tiebreakers break down. Like, you could see it. The writing is always on the wall with this Cowboys team. So give me the Seahawks there. Packers, Saints. Saints haven't looked that good. Drew Brees doesn't have his um, escape option. And Michael Thomas there, a little dink. His just arm hasn't looked there. In both games against the Bucks and the Raiders, like he was outplayed by Derek Carr against the Raiders. He outplayed Brady, but he wasn't bombing the ball down the field. He wasn't doing anything extreme. Like, his arm just doesn't look the same, and we've seen it over the past couple of years where he's kind of worn down. His efficiency is high. His completion percentage is high. He's breaking completion percentage records, but that's because he's not throwing the ball far down the field. Dink and dump, five yards down the field, that's not generating a lot of offense, whereas this Packers team, oh boy, oh boy. Aaron Rodgers is still that bad man. Aaron Jones, his running back, is running out of his mind right now. So I hate saying the Packers are going to win, but the Packers are going to win this game. You know, that's the Sunday night football game. Give me the Packers in that one. They're just the better team. You know, Saints, again, I think they underachieve. They, they get to the playoffs, and they get bounced in the first round off the Minnesota miracle. Just, just so many things. Just where the, you're just like, the Saints should win. Oh, they don't. All right, when are we going to start right, just easily already writing them off? Now, they'll still win this year. Don't, don't get me wrong. This team is still going to win 10, 11, 12 games because they have that much talent. The coaching's good. Sean Payton's a good coach. But when you can't let it fly, like even it, Breeze outplayed Brady week one in the Bucks saints matchup. Breeze outplayed it. But Brady was throwing the ball better down the field than what Breeze was doing. Because Breeze just didn't throw it downfield. He just doesn't. I don't even know if he can because they don't even attempt it. But I don't know. The Saints, I'm just writing them off. I don't see them winning the NFC this year. And they might win that division, but I, I don't think they are going to win the NFC this year or win many playoff games if they do win one. I, uh, the Breeze is regressing very quickly in my eyes. Very quickly. So, But Packers, give me the Packers Sunday night football against the Saints. Monday night game, final game of the week. Oh, boy. What a tasty matchup. You know, ESPN must have like, somehow got on good terms again with the, with the NFL because, wow, this matchup right here, how they got this game, I'll never know. Chiefs, Ravens, you kidding me? The two debatably best teams in football? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar, Jackson? Uh, what a matchup. What a matchup. The back-to-back -back MVPs going at it. It's, it's going to be a great game. Going to be a great game. Who I think is going to win? Oh, wow. 
You know, I always like to think that teams prepare for the playoffs. This seems like the kind of game where the Chiefs are preparing for the playoffs and seeing and not going to give everything to the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to do the same thing, obviously. Of course, you don't show, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You don't show everything in just one matchup. Of course not. But I think the Ravens are going to win this game. Line, minus three and a half, over under 54 and a half. Uh, I'm taking the Ravens. I'm not going to like that pick, but I'm taking the Ravens just... Ravens have looked more dominant than the Chiefs had. I think they're the both two. I, I would still say if we were to do like a power ranking that the Chiefs are ahead only because they're the Super Bowl champions. But hmm, I'm going to go with the Ravens in this one. Yeah, give me the Ravens taking it. And then uh, the only game that has actually officially concluded, not counting today's games, is Thursday's game, uh, the snoozer of all snoozers. Dolphins against the Jags. Uh, yeah, um, Fitzmagic exists. You know, Minshew is, you know, Minshew. And, yeah, they're two boring teams that I don't care about that will be lucky to combine for eight wins. Yeah, both teams will be lucky to win four games. So you can put it on the board. Both those teams suck. The only final that has happened as of right now in the sun, uh, September 27th, games is Steelers do beat the Texans 28-21. Texans go to 0-3. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, 3-0. 3-0, looking like they're um, shooting for the playoffs, and why not? Roethlisberger is back. They had a good team last year, and they managed to get to, what, 8-8 eight eight with Mason Rudolph <laughs> at quarterback? Yeah, I, I, think they can, uh, I think they can make the playoffs. I'm fairly confident. And a couple other games that went final, the Browns officially beat the Washington football team. 49ers beat the Giants, so the Browns go to 2-1. and one. Washington falls to 1-2. and two. 49ers improved to 2-1. and one. Giants going to be loathful. They'll be hunting for the number one pick again. Maybe going for Lawrence. Maybe they give up on Daniel Jones and draft Lawrence because they're definitely going to be in position to have the number one pick. I really honestly think with Saquon Barkley being out, when are the Giants going to win a game? I don't know if they're going to. Really don't. <laughs> when would they win? When would they win? I don't know if they could. I really don't. I really don't see where it's coming from. So, just a couple games that have gone final, you know, that we'll mention. Um, and then here we go. Four o'clock games are starting. Four oh six currently, and Jets. Colts just kicked off. Panthers. Chargers just kicking off as well. It's just a Sunday footballs are back. God, nothing better than on a Sunday watching football, having a couple brewskis, throw, cooking up out on the grill. You know, and especially here in Florida, it's an absolutely beautiful day. Just nothing gets better than football Sunday. So some scores have actually gone final here. The Steelers are going to beat the Texans 28-21. Texans go to 0-3. Steelers move to 3-0. The Browns beat the Washington football team 34-20. Uh, the Bills ended up beating the Rams. Rams with a big-time second-half comeback. Not enough. Bills win 35-32. Giants won handily 36-9. Uh, let's see what other finals we got here. Some of these games really, 
winding down as the 4 o'clock games begin. Patriots, they're going to get a victory, 36-20, 1.54 to go in the game, but uh, they're up 36-20 to over the Raiders. The Titans end up beating the Vikings 31-30. to Cousins, 251 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Yeah, mm. Vikings drop to 0 and 3, and the Titans move to 3 and 0. But the Eagles, another team, they managed to come back. That's right, the Eagles tied the game, force overtime 23 23. Bengals with the ball to start the overtime. <laughs> Again, like I said, the Eagles cannot lose this game right now if they want to put themselves in position to compete for a playoff spot. They got to win. They got to come out with a victory here. Like Wentz has to step up. The defense at this point needs to step up right now because, oh, wee, they cannot lose this game. Another one, the Bears, my Bears. Nick Foles, big dick Nick doing his thing, bringing the Bears back to life, rejuvenating this offense. 26-23, the Bears have scored 13 points in the fourth quarter alone. <laughs> Falcons blowing a 16-point lead at this point. They were in the third quarter at one point. They were up 26-10. to That's when they brought in the replacement of Nick Foles, and he's rejuvenated the Bears' offense. Already has 160 yards, 160 yards, two touchdowns, one interception for Nick Foles. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Falcons can't do it again. Oh, my goodness. If they blow this game again, my their coaching decisions will have to be made. You can't lose back-to-back double-digit leads. Uh, to the likes of the Bears and the Cowboys. And oh my goodness. <laughs> the Falcons. Just, I always thought Matt Ryan was a little mediocre. Did anyone else? I always thought he was a, a average to above average quarterback. Not a pro bowler, not an all pro, nothing like that. He puts up decent numbers because he's had decent talent around him. But hmm, my goodness. Uh, and I don't blame him because the rest of the team has underachieved to no, like no other. I Really, they had that Super Bowl run, and since then it's been inconsistent, bad teams. Just how crazy it is that you can just fall off so quickly. The cliff just comes quickly for your organization, which just shows how it's amazing that the Patriots showed the level of dominance that they did for the greater part of the decade. And eh, two decades at that. You know, from the 2000s to 2010s, Patriots just always kept winning. These other organizations, they have a good year to the shitter. Just everything goes right in the tank. Just not good anymore. The Bears, we live in proof of this. We made that Super Bowl one year and have made it back a couple times, but haven't gone anywhere far. Haven't gone anywhere far. Just, wow. I, just, I couldn't believe it if the Falcons lost this game to the Bears because the Bears look terrible. They look out of it. The offense couldn't do anything. Uh, Trubisky's just terrible. And <laughs> sure enough, the Bears take the lead with two minutes to go. 29-26. Big Dick Nick taking over. 
<laughs> My goodness. Unreal. Nick Foles to Anthony Miller for 28 yards. Bears have scored 19 points in this fourth quarter. They've taken the lead. Two-minute warning coming up. Uh, I mean, the Falcon, it's not over, but wow. To, to lose like this, Bears kicks the extra point. They're now up 30-26. So a touchdown will win it for the Falcons, but a field goal ain't going to get it done. Just unbelievable. And again, I have dogged Mick Foles like no other. I don't think he's Cam Newton. But for him to come in like this, three touchdowns just in the fourth quarter alone. I know Trubisky did that. In week one, but he did it against the Lions. You know, the Falcons are much better. They got with the worst-ranked defense in the league, but Maui, wowie, blowing this lead is just... <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. Bear down Chicago Bears. Huh? And I think this team will make the playoffs. And that's... that's how good the defense is and how embarrassingly bad the quarterbacks are. In my opinion. Yeah, not embarrassing. You know, Foles is showing me something. He's showing us some life, some truth. He's doing it. The kid is doing it. 188 yards, three touchdowns, win interception. Started out sloppy, has turned it around of late. A 20-0 run led by Nick Foles. <laughs> I knew he was going to be the starter at one point. Like, there's no possible way that Trubisky was keeping that job all year. Not with how he plays. Not with the inconsistency he shows on passes. Not with the amount of bad passes he has. Not with being able to hit open receivers. Just, he is just not good. Like, there's a reason the Bears didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Trubisky, because they didn't believe. And they doubled down on not believing in him by bringing in another quarterback like the Nick Foles. I just, just, Wow. I'm shocked. Color, me shocked that the Bears came back. Now, I thought I do think Foles is better than Trubisky, and I thought Foles should have been the starter out of the gate. They gave it to Trubisky to, I don't know, double down on their pick, saying that we do believe in this guy, but you can only believe in it for so long because he is not good. He's not good. He'll be a perennial backup the rest of his career. Trubisky would be a decent backup. A decent, not great backup. He'd be a decent backup. And the Falcons have the ball. Now they're kind of moving the ball up the field. So that this one's going to come down to the wire. One, 130 to go. Falcons trail the Bears 30 to 26. Not moving on to any of the next topic till these 1 o'clock games kind of conclude. And, uh, you know, the other game, the only other game that's really going right now of these 1 o'clock games is the uh, overtime game between the Bengals and the Eagles. No one has yet to score there. 23-23, 6-18 left in the overtime. Just, just wow. Both just pitiful performances by the Eagles and Falcons. You know, I give the Bengals a chance for growing pains because Joe Burrow is a rookie. I give the benefit of the doubt of the Bears because they don't know who their quarterback is. They just have a good defense. Oh, and absolutely beautiful watching this Bears-Falcons game. Matt Ryan, as I'm speaking that he's mediocre, not that great, just throws an interception. Oh, he just threw an interception. Oh, it's glorious. 
112 left in the ball game. The Bears should be wrapping this one up, Matt Ryan. Oh, you're overrated. You are overrated. Ching, ching, ding, ding, ding. Bears, big time comeback. Just another one. Second one of the year. Maybe the, the Bears, uh, like the Nuggets were the comeback kids, the Bears are the comeback kids this year. I know it's against the likes of the Lions, Giants, and Falcons, but hey, you beat the team in front of you. You beat the team in front of you. Just mm, Bears. <laughs> 20 to 0 run. Oh, I love it. It's just just glorious to see Matt Ryan underachieve and play poorly. And then the Bears win on top of it. Oh, I love it. Oh, love it so much. Just mm, mm, mm. And uh, it just flipped over. So I'm currently watching NFL Red Zone right here, and they're uh, bouncing back and forth between the uh, the games that are going on at 4 o'clock and the 1 o'clock games. So Bengals, they have the ball 23-23, 5.54 to go. It's 4th and 21. Uh, Bengals had to punt. Does uh, you know the four o'clock games until we get to that you know Bucks Broncos game and then that uh, that Seahawks forty uh, Seahawks Cowboys game uh, none of the games are really interesting at all like I said the game Panthers against the Chargers mm, snoozer yeah Chiefs uh, Colts against the Jets uh, seven seven you know Darnold scored. You know, they, uh, Jets are getting on the board against the Colts. I think the Colts are vastly overrated. I think Phillip Rivers has been an overrated quarterback his whole career. You know, I had the Colts winning, obviously, like I said earlier, but, God, you know, the Colts aren't that great a team. You know, giving $25 million, million to Phillip Rivers? <laughs> what a bad contract. What a bad contract that was. I mean, my goodness, what are you thinking? It's... It's terrible, terrible decision. Terrible decision by the Colts. So, you know, I, w- I think the Colts are going to win, but go Jets. Go J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And the Bears look like they're going to win this game. Uh, Nick Foles, victory formation, 56 seconds left. <laughs> glorious, glorious. So the game that I currently got right on, Eagles against the Bengals. God, Eagles got to pull out this overtime victory to save their season. This is season-saving stuff right now for the Eagles. Like I said, they can start the season 0-6 if they lose this game to the Bengals. And Wentz has looked terrible. He doesn't look like he has it. And I was singing his praises. I thought he was a top 10 quarterback. You know, I thought he was playing really well. Just competed a real nice pass to Zach Ertz. Give me those fantasy points. No one just completed a nice pass. But, God, he has been playing very poorly here in the early stages of this season. He has shown no inclination that he is the kind of guy that can get it done. And I wish I could say that he's playing well, but it's against the Bengals. And he only has, what, 212 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions against the Bengals defense. Baker Mayfield the week before obliterated this team, absolutely embarrassed them, embarrassed them. And here's Carson Wentz struggling, struggling to 
to move the ball and win this game right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the Bears do, in fact, make the comeback. Victory formation out. Bears win 30-26. to Bears move to 3-0 and on the season. All Bears haters can kick rocks. Falcons, oh, they're just going right down the shitter. Big changes will be made with the Falcons after this year or maybe even during the year. Like, I don't think Matt Ryan is going to lose his starting job or anything. He's still serviceable at quarterback. But the coach, um, hasta la vista, baby. I don't know how much longer he's going to be there, if he's going to be there, if he even makes it through the season. Like, Dan Quinn, after that Super Bowl collapse, like he just must have lost all his mojo because this team has just fallen apart. Just fallen apart. And just, my goodness, they've been terrible. They have been terrible since that Super Bowl defeat by the Patriots. 28-3 comeback in the third quarter. The Patriots ended the Falcons organization as a whole. That's why the Falcons, they need to hit the restart button. They need to start over. And the only other 1 o'clock game going on right now, the overtime game. Eagles putting themselves in field goal position, but they're still moving the ball with Wentz. Maybe they might secure it with a touchdown. But uh, let's move on. You know, the games are kind of wrapping up, so... Uh, topic number three that I want to get to, the college football landscape changes by the day. It really seems like it changes by the hour, if you really look at it. Uh, let's touch quickly on the newest AP poll that came out today. Let's start from top to bottom. Uh, Clemson, they are your number one team as of right now. They're 2-0. and The Alabama Crimson Tide, they're number two. They're 1-0. and SEC just started this past weekend. Florida, they're number three. Georgia Bulldogs, they're number four. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish are number five. They're 2-0. and Here comes an interesting one. At number six, a team that hasn't played a game yet, the Ohio State University. At number seven, Auburn Tigers. At number eight, the U, Miami University. They're 3-0 and on the year. Texas, big comeback win yesterday against Texas Tech. I don't know how they managed to win the game, but they're number nine. They're 2-0. and Here's another controversial selection. Penn State hasn't played a game yet. They're number 10. UCF, Orlando's hometown team, at number 11. They're 2-0. and The offense is firing. Um... At number 12, the Tar Heels uh, of UNC. At 13, Texas A&M. The one and only Pac-12 school. Uh, Oregon coming in at 14. Cincinnati Bearcats at 15. Mississippi State at 16 after their upset victory over the defending national champion, LSU Tigers. Uh, At 17, Oklahoma State at 18, Oklahoma, who's 1-1 one one after they lost to Kansas State yesterday. So some good upset victories yesterday. At number 19, another Big Ten team, Wisconsin. At 20, LSU, who's 0-1, the only team with a losing record. And an only team that's 0-1 in the top 25. At 21, Tennessee. At 22, Brigham Young, BYU. They're 2-0. And the final Big Ten team, 
Michigan, they come in at 23. At 24, Pittsburgh. And at 25, the third American Athletic Conference team in the Memphis Tigers. So kind of an interesting breakdown. And you might be wondering, well, why can a Big Ten team already be ranked? How can they be ranked? They haven't played yet. Have they even announced a schedule? Well, guess what? The college football landscape, like I said, changes by the day. And all top-tier college football conferences are now planning to play this fall. That's right. The Big Big Ten, Pac-12, and then the other smaller ones, the other smaller conferences like the Mid-Atlantic Conference where my alma mater, Bowling Green State, the Mountain West that hosts the likes of Boise State, everyone is playing. All of them are playing. The Big Ten announced their schedule. They'll begin October 24th um, with an eight-game season. The Pac-12 votes to play college football with a seven-game conference-only schedule starting November 6th. Like I said, the MAC, the Mid-Atlantic Conference, they are going to play a six-game schedule as well. Um, That will begin November 4th. It's just, they were the last one. Six games. And here's the crazier part. All teams will be eligible for bowl games, regardless of losing records. As a matter of fact, every league has returned. As 127 of the 130 FBS teams are going to be playing college football. 127 out of 130 will be playing college football this year. The only teams that aren't UConn, New Mexico State, Old Dominion. Three schools that football programs you probably didn't even know existed until this moment in time right now. The MAC said they'll be testing four times per week. Uh, I, I don't know what it is for the Big uh, Big Ten and Pac-12 on how much they'll be testing, but bigger conference, I imagine they'll be testing a greater amount than the MAC. Um, and really, I think the reason they came back is they saw how college football is already surviving through the pandemic. Uh, there have been no issues at, with an SEC school. There's been no issues with a Big 12 school. The only real issue has been the f- Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. They're the only ones who have had any issues with COVID. They had seven positive tests. They had to cancel their, uh, postpone their game against Wake Forest this, um, this weekend. It was supposed to happen on Saturday. And then another team, USF, the team Notre Dame beat the week before, um, they had to cancel their game and just that's been it. You know, Notre Dame came with the positive tests, but those have been the only positive tests that I've heard about in the entire college football landscape. Everyone else is doing a great job of self-policing, keeping themselves healthy, keeping themselves in position to win and be successful this year in this conference-only schedules. Besides the ACC, the only ones who are having teams out there, it just, I'm a little shocked that this, all the conferences agree that they're going to be playing this fall. And I think they got a lot of pressure from seeing how well it worked with the, um, with the ACC, SEC, Big 12. They've shown that they can keep these guys healthy with fans in the stands. They can social distance, they limited capacity, don't have to have full stadiums. I do think that will have an effect this year. With no home crowd, uh, away teams might win a lot of games this year in college football because that home field advantage is very real. When you have to go in these 
really tough environments with a ton of hundreds of thousands of people yelling at you in these big time college football games with now not having to worry about that. It just opens up the floodgates for upsets to happen. And we already saw it. Kansas State, back-to-back years, beat Oklahoma. I think Texas should have lost to Texas Tech yesterday as they had a miraculous 16-point comeback with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Made up 16 points, and they won the game in overtime. Uh, The game was at Texas Tech. You have to imagine, if there's fans at at the game... (laughs) Is Texas coming back and winning? The other big upset that happened. <laughs> oh, Oklahoma, uh, not oh, LSU, the defending national champions, went down to Mississippi State. Mike Leach getting his first win at Mississippi State. Had some funny post-games comments, but that game was in Baton Rouge. They're at Tiger Stadium, and they, st- <laughs> and they lost. You got to wonder... Does Mississippi State go in there and upset them if there's 100,000 people there? I don't think so. I don't think they would go in and get the upset. And maybe it also shows that these teams do need tune-up games. Like, tune-up games are a real thing. You know, you come in, you get someone like the likes of a Bowling Green State University or the likes of, like, a New Mexico State. You know, just someone who you can just clean up on. And you can score 60 points on, you know, you get that energy high, you get the offense rolling, the defense gets a lot of stops, maybe a lot of turnovers, maybe a pick six, force fumble, you know, whatever you have. It gets some energy, to get some confidence in the locker room. And then you go into a big conference game. Yeah, it, I think that makes a difference now. You're going conference only, especially in the SEC, Big 12, ACC, like Big 10. It's not easy conferences to win already. And then when you have to play the teams the same teams over and over, and you got to go through a slugfest every week, it's going to make it tough. Uh, I think for sure this year we're going to see a two-loss team in the college football playoff. Hasn't happened yet. There has never been a two-loss team in the college football playoff to decide who the national champion is in college football. It just hasn't happened. I think it might happen this year. You know, if, an SEC t- if the best SEC team supposedly has two losses, I think it's very possible. Yeah, I think a few teams will run the table, though. You know, Ohio State has a very favorable schedule. That Notre Dame-Clemson matchup is going to look very tasty, but Clemson might lose, you know? Clemson might lose. Maybe Miami runs the table of all teams in the ACC. Yeah, teams are going to go undefeated. So, But I think also a lot of teams are going to beat up on themselves, especially in the SEC. You know, it's going to be a tough schedule for them. So, just crazy how quickly the landscape just keeps changes every day in college football. And it's going to continue to change as games start. You know, teams are finally eligible. Now that they've announced that they have schedules, teams are eligible for the AP Top 25. That's why Ohio State is ranked, Michigan, Wisconsin, Oregon. That's why Penn State, that's why these schools find themselves ranked. They've announced the schedule. And it'll really be crazy how it shakes out when – you know, they're not starting till late October. What are we going to do in a month from now when some teams have already played six games, five games, and Ohio State's playing their first game? How are they going to judge? How are they going to decide? Like the rankings are going to be absurd this year. They're going to be baffling. They're not going to make any sense. But I'm all here for it. I'm all here for the controversy. And it's going to be 
one hell of a controversial season in college football. Moving on, topic number four. Michael Jeffrey Jordan has started a NASCAR team? Huh? Michael Jordan, a NASCAR owner. That's right. He's a team owner. He started a racing team with Denny Hamlin. And their first driver, the only black driver on the circuit, Bubba Wallace. You know, he's run into a little controversy earlier this year, but uh, he's a good racer. Again, I'm not going to try and... I'm I'm not going to say I know anything about the sport of NASCAR other than I want to go fast. Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. That's my mindset when it comes to NASCAR. But I think it is big when probably the biggest sports figure who's ever lived in the name of Michael Jordan is starting a a team in NASCAR. It was the most random news I've ever gotten in my life to see that he's starting a race team. Uh, And he says, you know, he's from North Carolina, that he's always been a big racing fan. You know, good for him. You know, if he's got the money, if he's trying to, you know, reach a new demographic, trying to connect, uh, you know, people of different cultures, you know, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it's only going to add to the sport of NASCAR. And for everyone out there, if you think NASCAR is boring, go to a race. And don't just go to a race. Go to the pit. Sit in the middle. Be in the middle. Forget about the giant grandstand out there. That's no fun. you got to deal with a bunch of drunk, annoying rednecks yelling, I want to go fast, I want to go fast. You know, get yourself down in the pit. Get close to the action. That way you don't need to hear anybody. You put your little earmuffs in. You can zone out. You can just enjoy the ambiance of the race because it is loud. It's exciting. There's food. There's beer. You can bring your own beer. It's just an all-around good time being in the pit at a NASCAR race. I recommend everyone do it once in their life, and you won't be disappointed. You might not even be that big a racing fan, but it is really incredible to be that close to the action and to see uh, what goes into these pit crews, what they do, the kind of communication they have, because you can really see it. They allow you to get that close if you have a pit pass and specific passes. It's incredible. It's an awesome experience. I did it at the Daytona 500 it changed my perspective on racing. Now, I could tell you, I would never go back to another race unless I get pit passes. I couldn't be up in the grandstand enjoying it. I've already been spoiled to the point where i got to be down in the pit. But like I said, with Michael Jordan, he's starting uh, a race partnership with current NASCAR racer Denny Hamlin. He's currently ranked second in the Cup Series championship standings with seven races remaining. Um They purchased a team charter from German Racing to field cars for Bubba Watson, who will leave Richard Petty Motorsports at season's end. The details of car number, sponsor, crew, etc. are all to be determined, but the charter guarantees them a starting spot in the Cup Series field every weekend, and a technical alliance with Hamlin's employer, Joe Gibbs Racing, guarantees equipment product by NASCAR's current dynasty builder. Ah, isn't that great? Well, if they're going to choose any number, it better be 23. 23 or 45. There's no other numbers associated with Michael Jordan. That's the one they need to choose. If it's not 23, I'll be disappointed. If the next number is not 45, I don't know what they're thinking. I really don't know what they're thinking. They got, they got to pick 23. Jordan, when you think of the number 23, what do you think of? You think of Michael Jordan. I'm a LeBron James fan. One of the biggest LeBron James fans you'll ever meet. I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. But when you think about the number 23, it, it's for Michael Jordan. 
it's Michael Jordan's number. It's his original number. That's why LeBron wore it. So I give credit where credit is due. 23 is Michael Jordan's number. So that race car better be 23. Again, this is one of the most random news stories I've ever thought I'd see. But apparently this is a long time in the works. Apparently they've been Michael Jordan has been planning this a while. You know, good for him. You know, I think it's great if he wants to get involved with the sport that, you know, African-Americans and black people are, don't really associate with NASCAR at all. But, hey, if that's a way to bridge the gap between cultures, I'm all for it. Bring it on. Bring it in. Inclusion. I'm all for it. Let's make it happen. So good for Michael Jordan, the newest owner of a NASCAR team. Topic number five. Today, September 27th, 2020, is the final day of the 2020 MLB regular season. It's over. Uh, the, the sprint to the postseason is over. Games are currently going on right now. I'm not going to give a full breakdown on how games are going. I'm just going to tell you how this postseason could shake up because it's not decided yet. The American League is decided. The American League is decided. The only thing that it was coming down to, Indians had a chance to get the division um, or second place in the division. They did not last night after the White Sox beat the Cubs and the Twins won. The Indians lost to the Pirates, so they will be the wild card seed. They're going to be the seventh seed. So as of right now, how the playoffs break down. We'll start in the American League. Uh, Tampa Bay currently holds the one. They're going to play Toronto uh, in that 8-1 matchup. Uh, the two spot is currently held by the Minnesota Twins, who are um, going to get first place in that division. Uh, they are 36-23. They're going to play the Cleveland Indians for the, in that 2-7 matchup. The 3-6 matchup will be between two more divisional rivals in the Oakland Athletics and the Houston Asterix, who, great for the Asterix. Oh, they're 29 and 30. It's fantastic to see them be terrible. Guess uh, baseball's a little tougher when you don't know what pitch is coming, huh, guys? <laughs> Fuck them. 4-5 uh, matchup, the Chicago White Sox against the New York Yankees. So, hmm, going to be a great slate of games. Postseason is going to be incredible in the American League. Let's move over to the National League. Dodgers, they hold on to that one spot, 42-17. and 17. They cannot be stopped right now. Mookie Betts did get hurt in the game, however, so that could have a huge impact, but this team has a lot of depth and still have to be the favorites to win the World Series. They're the one currently as of right this moment in time. The Milwaukee Brewers hold on to that eight spot at 29-30, and 30, and it comes down. There's a three-way tie right now between the Milwaukee Brewers, the San Francisco Giants, and the Philadelphia Phillies. And this is how it's going to work, how each team can get in for the Cardinals. Just win. They have to win. For the Brewers, they got to win final game versus St. Louis or Giants and Phillies loss. So if the Giants and Phillies lose, bang, bang, boom, Brewers are in. For the Giants, they need to win final game and need a Milwaukee loss. For the Phillies, they need to win their final game versus Tampa Bay. And the Giants and Brewers both have to lose. So the Phillies banking on that right now. Let's go check out the scores real quick. See if they are playing 
Um, real quick, we're not going to give a huge breakdown of the games because all the playoff spots are decided. Um, so the Padres are currently beating the Giants right now, uh, two to one in the top of the sixth inning. The Phillies are currently losing right now to the Tampa Bay Rays, three nothing in the top of the fifth. And the Brew Crew are getting one hit by the St. Louis Cardinals. It is five to one in favor of the Cardinals. So still a lot of baseball to be played, but it's so great that even for a sprint that it comes down to the final days as expected, you got to love it right there and mm, get ready. Postseason, September 29th, the World Series run begins. I can't wait. Postseason baseball is back. And frankly, it's the only sport with football that's actually doing it on time. And the MLS, you know, everyone else is, you know, doing it on the fly. You know, this is how it should break down. End of September, you know, postseason baseball is about to kick in to high gear. So let's get it going. And now for my unpopular opinion. There's a man currently who is employed by ESPN who just speaks a lot of nonsense. This goes kind of for everyone, but I'm mainly calling out this guy, what I'm about to say. Paul Pierce needs to be stopped. This man just goes on air and just says the most asinine statements you could possibly think of and expects us to respect what he says. No. No, he's speaking nonsense. How he got the nickname The Truth, I will never understand because he speaks nothing, nothing but falsehoods. Uh, he is an absolute idiot when it comes to sports commentary. And, again, I'm going to say I'm a huge LeBron James fan. I think he's the best player ever. I think he's the best player in the world right now. But he also has some faults. You know, he's come up short. You know, that 2011 finals against the Mavericks, you know, I've claimed it's the greatest playoff run of all time by a playoff team for Dallas. But LeBron James for sure came up short. You know, he has his faults in his career, just like every other player. I'm willing to admit that as a big fan. Yeah. But Paul Pierce just, whatever LeBron James did to Paul Pierce, which was, you know, constantly beat him over and over again, just has pissed Pierce off to the point where he just has to disrespect LeBron every chance he gets. At this point, it's like he didn't even play the game, and he's just Skip Bayless out there just spewing nonsense and not giving the man any credit for anything his, he's done. So the most recent thing is Paul Pierce says modern NBA players are scared of LeBron James. What a stupid statement to begin with that anyone at that level is afraid of anyone. Look, LeBron is an all-encompassing player. You know, he it, yeah. You would be worried if a guy like that is standing there, but there's a reason you made it that far. You believe in your God-given ability. You believe in your talent. You know, guys guys aren't afraid of LeBron, but here's the quote. Players today are af- scared of LeBron James. If they see LeBron standing in front of them, fear shakes in them. I know this. My era is out of the league. We weren't afraid of LeBron, but these guys today, he strikes fear in these guys. Now, Pierce, LeBron is your era. He was in your era, but, oh, he continues to thrive as you're sitting on your couch, you know, dissecting how he's being the greatest player in the world, and you're still not giving him any credit. I mean, he just disrespects LeBron every chance he gets. And he did this earlier in the playoffs, too, but he got real quiet. Now he's starting to turn it up again. Do do we remember when the NBA playoffs just started? 
end. He was like, the Portland Trailblazers won game one of their round one series against the Lakers. And Paul Pierce said, if LeBron loses this series, he can no longer be considered in the GOAT conversation. Already a dumb statement to begin with, even if the Lakers did lose. Because, oh, who everyone considers the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, he lost three times in the first round. But nobody holds that against him. Nobody holds that against his legacy. No one holds that against his resume. It just, it's not even talked about. But Michael Jordan lost three times in the first round. Uh, in some years with the Wizards, hey, he didn't even make the playoffs all together. And, oh, we might want to say he's old, but, hey, he still played, still went out there and competed, and some nights couldn't even jump and didn't even make the playoffs. Never had a winning record without Scottie Pippen on his team. But I digress. So Pierce has that asinine statement to say. And then, oh, Lakers won four straight. And, you know, Pierce went quiet and then brought up this. And I like Draymond Green coming out and telling Pierce to sit down and shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a big fan of Draymond Green, but I do like him defending the league of today and going after Paul Pierce. And who better to talk shit to Paul Pierce than Draymond Green? Because, oh, he has one of the greatest clips of all time. I recommend everyone go in to YouTube and look up Draymond Green talking trash to Paul Pierce because he says one of the most beautiful things. It's Pierce's last year. He's with the Clippers. Draymond Green is there. You know, Pierce says something to Draymond Green, and then a foul at the other end happens, and Green goes right back at Pierce, says, oh, what you thought? You were going to get a farewell tour? You thought you was Kobe? They don't love you like that. Talking about the NBA and fans as a whole, shut Pierce right up. Oh, it's one of the most glorious videos ever. Everyone needs to go look up. Draymond Green talking shit to Paul Pierce. It's beautiful. And it's a perfect example. Pierce thinks he's way better than what he is. And where his rivalry comes from with LeBron, well, we got to take it back. So in 2007, you know, LeBron made the NBA Finals. He went up against the Spurs. Spurs took it to him. It wasn't really a close series. But, you know, the Celtics, who Pierce played for, they weren't in the playoffs that year. They weren't in it in 07. No, like Pierce didn't even make the playoffs. We even go a year back to 2006. And they still weren't in the playoffs. Let's go back 2005. Oh, they finally made the playoffs. Oh, but they lost in round one in seven games to the Indiana Pacers. Okay, so in 2005, Pierce finally made the playoffs. Good for him. So LeBron makes it to the finals in 07. And then in 08, if our basketball memories are short-lived after 12 seasons, that was the year that Ray Allen and KG and Rondo began playing for the Boston Celtics. Oh, and that's when, you know, Pierce and company... They go up against LeBron in the conference semifinals. LeBron forces four of them, of three Hall of Famers and Rondo, who is going to be a Hall of Famer if the Lakers win a championship, to seven games. This man alone, LeBron James, by himself in 2008, went up against four juggernauts and brought them to seven games. And, yeah, the, cat, the Celtics were just the better team. But LeBron was the best player. He averaged 26 points, 6 rebounds, 7 to 6, 2 steals, 1.3 blocks, where he was going up against guy, you know, Kevin Garnett averaged 19, Paul Pierce averaged 19, Rondo averaged 10 and 6. It just clearly, clearly the Celtics were the better team. That's why the Celtics had the one and the Cavs had the four. And then you get the most milk championship ever in 08. And the Celtics talking about how they're like a dynasty. 
I've never heard a team of players hold on to one championship more than any other team than this 2008 Celtics team. They talk about that championship like they won five. No, they won one. And they made it back to one finals after that. So then we go to 2009, where the Celtics ran into the injury bug. And, you know, they didn't even make the conference finals that year. They lost to Orlando in the conference semifinals in seven games, whereas the Orlando Magic faced LeBron James in the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, LeBron had that crazy shot, you know. And so they've really only had one big playoff series together, and that was in 2008 when LeBron forced them to seven games. So he's saying he's not scared. Well, yeah, of course, you have no reason to be scared. You're, You're playing alongside a Hall of Famer in KG, a Hall of Famer in Ray Allen, a Hall of Famer in Rondo, and then a bunch of nice players, and a decent coach in Doc Rivers. So yeah, why would you be scared of one superstar player whose next best guy is <laughs> Mo Williams? Or Mo Williams, huh? If we go back and look at the stats, who is bringing up the box score oh, for the Cavs? Adrenas Ilgalskis, second leading scorer in that 08 series. Oh, who's third? Crackhead homeless bum now, Delonte West. Uh, These are the guys that LeBron carried this far. Zadrinas Ogalskis, Delonte West, Wally Zerbiak, Joe Smith, Anderson Varejao, Daniel Gibson, and an old Ben Wallace. This is who LeBron's carrying in the playoffs. Compare that to the Celtics who had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, Kendrick Perkins, P.J. Brown, Sam Cassell, Glenn Baby Davis, Eddie House, Tony Allen. So seems pretty lopsided to me of who the better team is. And you know basketball is a team sport. Individuals don't win by themselves. So yeah, 2009, they don't play each other, like I just said. And then we go to 2010, where they do play each other. You know, they did meet in the conference semifinals, and the Celtics beat the Cavs in 2010 in six games. Again, Pierce, we didn't fear uh, LeBron James. Well, no wonder you didn't fear him, Pierce. You were the fourth leading scorer on your team in that 2010 playoffs in the series against LeBron. In that series, as a matter of fact, Paul Pierce only averaged 13 and a half, four rebounds, three assists, shot 34% from the field, 30% from three-point range. While <laughs> his teammates, Rondo, averaged... 20 and 11. Actually, 20 and 12. Kevin Garnett averaged 18, 8, and 2. Ray Allen, 15, 3, and 2. Pierce, fourth leading scorer on the team. Yeah, of course you weren't scared of LeBron. You didn't have to worry about him. You had three all-stars playing alongside you. You had a super team alongside you. And who, who did LeBron James have to go up against this really good Celtics team? A 37-year-old Shaquille O'Neal, who is averaging 13 and 5. That's right, 37-year-old Shaquille O'Neal. What about the third guy? Maybe they had someone decent. Mo Williams, who also averaged 13 and 5, but 5 assists rather than rebounds. What about after that? 33-year-old Antoine Jameson, who averaged 11.7 rebounds. Uh, what after that? Anthony Parker, Anderson Verjao. Delonte West, J.J. Hickson. So, this is the team that LeBron had, had going up against the Celtics. Yeah, of course you weren't afraid of him. 
Of course you weren't afraid. He had no one else. He had no help. He had no assistance. And you have an all-time great team with a great cast of players in Kevin Garnett, Rondo, Ray Allen, and then Paul Pierce. And Paul Pierce was dreadful in that series. Let's just put up the splits. Paul Pierce versus LeBron. Like I said, Paul, 13 points, four, four boards, three assists. 34% from the field, 30% from three. Whereas LeBron, 26, 9, and 7. Well, I wonder who the better player is. Well, I would say LeBron James. Huh? So this is where the rivalry really starts in these first few years. Okay, so LeBron, you know, gets tired of having to carry the load. So he goes to Miami, you know, get some assistance, play with better teammates. It's a good way to go about winning, to have good teammates, something Cleveland couldn't do. So in the Eastern Conference semifinals, the next year of Miami versus the Celtics, oh, pretty handily, he won in five games, four to one. That's right, with Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, they beat the Celtics in five quick games. Now, Pierce actually had a decent series. He was the leading scorer for the Celtics, but, mm, you know, when you lose 5-1, you don't really pay attention to the stats because it doesn't fucking matter because it's not a close series. So I'm sure he got mad about getting booted early in the playoffs, only making the semifinals and losing to the Heat. Okay, then we go to 2012. Now, there's another one. They didn't play each other. Oh, scratch that. Of course they played each other. In 2012, Miami Heat, Boston Celtics went to seven games. And if we remember, the Heat were down 3-2, game six, LeBron. One of the greatest performances of his career, 45 points, 15 rebounds. And he went absolutely off against the Celtics. And the Celtics blew it, blew a 3-2 lead. LeBron showing he's the best player on the world. He averaged 33-11-4 that series. Shot 52% from the field. Oh, he was unbelievable. Pierce, what'd you do? Well, you chipped in 18 points, shot 34% from the field. Good for you, Pierce. Good for you. So LeBron, again, eliminates the Boston Celtics and wins his first championship that year. So now we're even in championships. And now the championships are there. All right, let's move on to 2013. LeBron, you know, won his second championship against San Antonio Spurs. And... Let's see. Okay, Celtics got bounced in the first round when LeBron's winning a championship in Sweet U beating the Bucks, beating the Bulls in five, going seven games with the Pacers, and then seven games with the Spurs. Okay, so they don't play each other. Okay, then we go to 2014. Oh, it, <laughs> this is when KG and Paul Pierce were traded to the Brooklyn Nets. 2014, this is the year. Remember Paul Pierce, I want to guard LeBron James. I'm going to slow him down. I'm going to take him out. He's going to not come through here in game four. Oh, guess what? LeBron scores 49 points. Oh. Yeah, 49 points. He win in five games against the Brooklyn Nets and Paul Pierce. And what does Pierce do that series? Well, he's got 14 points, four rebounds, one assist, shoots 46% from the field, 40% from three. Pierce, balling, actually looking okay. How'd LeBron do? Well, he averaged 36 and four, 57% from the field. <laughs> Paul Pierce just truly believes that he's in the same stratosphere as LeBron James. It's not even close. It's absolutely embarrassing that this man 
even considers himself to the legacy of LeBron James. And then that's kind of where it fizzles out. Like, was there even another series between these two? I don't think there was. I don't think they ever played each other again. You know, then LeBron goes back to the Cavs. Yeah, that's that's all she wrote. And that's it. Those are the only series they've had together. Pierce won twice when he had a far superior team, and LeBron won when he was by far the more superior player in all of them. And yet here's Pierce just still saying asinine things about the greatest player ever. And even if you don't think he's the greatest, he's definitely top five. And Pierce tries to say this nonsense of, oh, he can't even be considered in the GOAT conversation if he loses in the first round of Portland. All right, well, it, he got real quiet, and now, oh, well, now that LeBron is uh, possibly going up against the Nuggets, all right, now I'll speak up and say, oh, uh, guys today are scared of LeBron. No. No one's scared of anyone. You're just mad that LeBron James ended your career. So my unpopular opinion, Paul Pierce needs to be stopped. All these idiots getting on TV need to be stopped before they say nonsense, and especially Pierce, because he said the dumbest things. When the Celtics were up 2-0 a couple years ago against the Bucs in the playoffs, he said the series was over. He just said the Bucs before the game had a chance to win the championship, and then Celtics go up 2-0, and he says the series is over. <laughs> it's like he doesn't even know how to t- talk about the game. He, he truly doesn't know the game of basketball, and it's sad from a former player to see that he really doesn't know what's going on, what the landscape is, and he's letting his grudges as a player hold him back as an analysis. Like, it's, just, it's just sad. It's embarrassing for you, Pierce. Knock it off. LeBron will always be better than you. You'll never be even close to the same stratosphere as him, so you might as well do- stop disrespecting him and appreciate the greatness that you lost to. Because... Yeah, you beat him once. Matter of fact, you beat him twice when you had better supporting cast. But then when you didn't, and then you lost, oh, there goes your whole argument. Out the door, Pierce. So see ya. And that's the end of episode 30 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, check me out on social media. You know, feel free to interact with me. Give me topics you want me to talk about, you know. And it... Like I said, if there's any sports conversation you want to have, just hit me up. I'm always down to talk sports. I'm willing and ready anytime, anywhere. But until next time, remember, during this pandemic, wash your damn hands. <laughs>